Counting calories is out. Weight loss is an internal game, what I like to call weight release, and it all starts from within. You're listening to Confidence From Within, a podcast for women ready to feel good about their bodies, rediscover their confidence, and share their brilliance with the world. I am your host, Juliana Lehman, mind-body weight release expert and lifelong health seeker. And I am so pleased to have you here. Let's get started. You're listening to episode number 117 of Confidence From Within podcast. And as always, I am your host, Juliana Lehman. And my very special guest today is Stacy McQuay. And Stacy is a compassionate divorce coach. We talk about her very public divorce and all the guilt, shame, and isolation that came from it and how she was able to use her very difficult experience and how she transcended it. So now she can really help other women to redirect their energy into moving forward far beyond the pain and the challenges of divorce, which of course are very real. So they too can create sustainable change and build and believe in the life that they truly deserve. Something else very special about our conversation, and this was a wonderful, wonderful conversation. Stacy is a wealth of knowledge. And we also talked about the whole perspective of, you know, the children and co-parenting and really looking at your own healing journey as a wonderful opportunity to impact generations to come. So let me properly introduce you to Stacy before we jump right in. Stacey McCoy is a compassionate divorce and comparing coach with over 25 years of experience supporting parent growth, self-sufficiency, and healing. And a divorce and comparing story are her own. After a health scare, Stacey left the nonprofit world to start her dream business, helping women to make peace with their divorce, strengthen their comparing abilities, and learn to become their best life partners without messing up the kids. Stacy lives in an empty nest in New Hampshire, where she's missing her two exceptional college age children and remains painfully behind in editing the messy draft of her first book about her own divorce adventures. Here is Stacy. Hi, Stacy. I am so pleased to have you on the show today. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to speak with you today. Yes, me too. And you have such an important topic. And I know already that our audience is going to love your perspective on this topic. So I'm very, very excited as well. And before we jump right in, I would love to hear from you. What does confidence mean to you? So this is a great question, because as a, as a child, as a kiddo, I was so not confident. I was actually a very anxious child. So Um, confidence for me was really honing into and being most secure in who I am and really Mm -hmm. identifying my values and being able to fully step into those and live with confidence with, within my values and, and, and holding those boundaries. Yeah. Oh, I love that. It's actually interesting because I think you're the first person to actually bring in safety in your description. And, you know, this is going to be, we probably had over 50 guests on the show to date. Uh, and I actually really resonate with that because I think a lot of times when we 
act outside of our values, that's when we feel most vulnerable and unsafe, right? And that's when we tend to protect and feel not very confident. So it's a beautiful perspective. Thank you for sharing. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Great question. Yeah, thank you. And to get us started, I would love for you to, I know you call yourself a compassionate divorce and co-parenting coach, which I think is beautiful. So let's start by you explaining to us, what is the difference between a compassionate divorce coach versus a more traditional approach to the topic? So I, I think that I really can't say enough about, first of all, in my own personal experience, the role that compassion has played in, in my long-term career and in my own divorce. And when I was setting out to become a divorce coach, traditionally, you know, you look at things like, right, how are we going to talk, you know, talk about the financial situation? How are we going to look at a co-parenting agreement and the mm -hmm. divorce decree? So, and all of those things I can absolutely do. I can help folks with that. But what I found and in my own journey is that it requires a lot of self-awareness and compassion to be able to implement these things successfully mm. and without there being a real rigid hard line. And even though I'm a big fan of boundaries, uh, we can over boundary ourselves. So I think yeah. having the structure, like those standard operating procedures are very helpful, but I think as a compassionate coach, I want to go deeper and I really want to go into that heart space and open that up for for folks because divorce is a is a really traumatic experience yeah. and so to be able to show up for folks and hold that space for them and to get them stable first you know kind of get them stabilized more than anything before they begin this really long journey that mm -hmm. is divorce and so holding that compassionate space for whatever comes up because i work with you know women who um did not make the choice, who felt like the rug was pulled out from underneath yeah. them. So they're experiencing a lot of trauma around those kinds of events. And then I also work with women who have decided that they were going to be the domino, right? That they were going to, mm -hmm. to knock things forward and make the decision. And both of these women um, need a lot of compassion. They need a lot of compassionate support. And I think before anything else, before those other things that more traditional coaches work at and are very good at. Um, I think what I show up with in my coaching is just a really great container for compassion. So people feel comfortable, they trust me, and then they begin to trust themselves in the process. Yeah. Mm, so beautiful. And you said so many important things. I'm just going to highlight a few that kind of spoke to me. And I think what, one of the things you mentioned that's very important to contemplate is the length, the duration of time, right? And when we talk about traumas, like, you know, even looking at all the different forms, I think emotional trauma is one that a lot of times we discount the importance and the relevancy and the toll it takes, right? And we're talking about the divorce process. It can be a very long and in some cases, painful process, right? And yeah. like you said, either taking the leadership of being the domino or, you know, feeling like the rug got pulled under your feet, either scenario, I think is incredibly difficult for different reasons. Right. Um, and yes. that concept of self-compassion, is probably not one that would naturally come to women in this scenario. Right. So define for us, for you, how do you define self-compassion? 
So I think it's showing up for all parts of yourself. Mm. Um, I think that in divorce, a lot of women want to compartmentalize certain parts of themselves with, and again, I have such compassion and empathy for this. They mm-hmm. may be the first in their family to be going through divorce, right? Yeah. Or, you know, they're embarrassed within their community. Um, they didn't want to let down their children or their family. Um, so there are these parts of them that they will compartmentalize. And I think one of the things that is important for women to do is to really um, hold compassion space for all parts of them. And they all matter. They all have something really super important to say. And that's the other thing to exclude them really excludes an important part of the healing process. Mm -hmm. So it's inviting everybody in (laughs) and, and listening to what they have to say with compassion. And that does take practice. We are not taught. We're not taught. Exactly. Not at all. And matter of fact, I think when we think about society or the patriarchy and all of these other components, it's, you know, we understandably will shut off or ignore or um, not want to wrestle with those, those parts. So I think it's showing up for all parts of us. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that very much. And it's very aligned with the concept of release that I have in more the physical sense of the body that is by embracing our parts, we can actually release the ones that we are ready to let go of, as opposed to that concept of getting rid of or suppressing or, right? But like very much like you said, it's not a skill necessarily, most people have not been taught. And now they find themselves in the deep end on the pool having to swim and survive, right? Yes. Um, so yes. that is such an important concept and an important area uh, for women to work on. And I think, the other thing I wanted to highlight that you said earlier is that whole idea of trust, right? Which in most scenarios of divorce, trust is one of those things that we feel have been broken, right? And even trusting yeah. of self, which is what I'm mostly you know, passionate about. So from your perspective and the work you've done, having compassion as this, you know, the lens is through which we're looking at this. What are some either way, different ways to look at it or perspective shifts that we can have on trusting self after divorce or during divorce from a, from a place of compassion? I, oh, that's such a juicy question because it was something I really struggled with. And I don't think I fully understood the concept until I went through my own divorce. And mm-hmm. I've been helping families and women and children for decades. Mm-hmm. I'm old. I'm a little old. You, know? so- <laughs> you look gorgeous, by the way, those oh, of you not you- seeing the camera. <laughs> you are so kind. You are so kind. Um, but I think that... What do I want to say? I just lost my thought. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about the trust and the fundamental. Oh my gosh! Um, so, so yes, I was lost in my own thoughts about you know trusting myself. But it re- it really, I in going through my divorce, the trust issues that I had with my former husband were one particular layer of this onion, right? And then what I realized that was hmm. I did not listen to my gut. I did not, there were, there was many times in my marital journey where I just ignored the, that gut feeling, that little bit Mm. of a gnawing. And I don't like to use the term red flag so much because again, I think this is all good information, but Mm -hmm. as you said, like our body tells us so much. And so part of my journey was, first of all, it was, it was two parts. It was like, how, how do I trust again, in, you know, my next romantic relationship, and what is that going to look like? 
However, it was also getting back to trusting myself and really seeing where I had um, ignored certain things. And or you, instead of really listening to my heart and my body, I was rationalizing things Mm -hmm. in my head. So there was that kind of a dialogue. So I think uh, learning also how to, when I recognize those things, like, oh, man, I knew a little more (laughs) than, than I let on, right? And so instead of being really hard on myself, it was getting more curious. And I think that's that, that compassionate component is showing up with more curiosity and saying, all right, you made, you made that decision in that moment, or you, you know, you didn't feel like you could kind of lean into that knowing what was that about and being Mm -hmm. more curious and showing up with zero judgment or maybe 1% judgment. We're all human, (laughs) right? It's a wrestle. Um, But I think that's really it. The, the, trust is such a fascinating thing because there's this outward component, but in all actuality, it starts within because once we trust ourselves and we trust that inner knowing, then that reaches out into our relationships. We make better choices in relationships. We know where to set boundaries. We know um, that we can trust our intuition and ourselves. So starting within, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That is so important. Such a good message. Hey there. Are you a woman who has spent most of your adult years feeling like you lack motivation to take care of your body? Should it be eat the right foods, exercise, or make time for yourself and the things you love to do instead of putting everyone else's needs and problems ahead of yourself? Do you start something new, maybe a new diet, and you have tons of excitement and even take the time to create an elaborate plan only to lose motivation when not seeing results and then going through the guilt and frustration cycle of repeating the same patterns again and again wishing you had more willpower well if you answer yes to any of these questions then i have something to share with you that will forever change how you look and motivation Going from this unattainable concept to an actual formula you can repeat again and again to turn every goal into reality. If you want to uncover your own source of endless motivation and how to tap it into it anytime you want, even through the emotional roller coaster that is modern life stress, then go to naturallyjoyous.ca slash motivation to learn more. And I think it's probably one of the core things that there's a whole piece of even self-forgiveness in terms of not listening to instincts and now feeling that we can trust ourselves, right? It's kind of like a very, almost like complex, <laughs> you yeah. know, tangle of feelings and emotions in there. But I think that that regaining a trust of self before we can other, uh, trust others, I think it's really core, right? And you get it what you said about the body and even just for some people it's different, right? But usually we feel it's somewhere in our body. So either that certainty or mm, I need to sleep on it. And then the next day you're a little more clear, whatever that process is for you. But I think anytime, and you know, I identify as a high performing woman and a lot of women in my community are too. So we over-intellectualize a lot of things, right? And I think sometimes when that is our default, you know, having somebody like you that brings us back to the heart 
and matches the knowledge of, like you said, the more traditional, these are the ABCs that need to get done with, okay, but now let's look at it from a deeper level. I think that's what the magic is. And I'm just so excited. That's what you do. <laughs> I it's, think it's, it's wonderful. It, it's just to your point, it's, it's, and it's not just those pangs, right. Of, um, Ooh, that doesn't feel good. Or that feels constricting. It's certainly paying attention to those, but to your point as well, too, it's also noticing where you feel expansive and excited and ready to lean in. And that's just such another part of such a painful traumatic experience as divorce is we just often just get stuck in that, the muck and the mire and, and all of that heavy emotional stuff. And especially when there's a layer of even having children involved as well, but, but paying attention to our body and learning to trust, but it's also like, where are you? And that's what I get excited about is getting women to that point of like, oh, where does that feel good and expansive and juicy and, um, and recognizing that those possibilities are there for you as well as you button up and, and learn to heal and, and deal with these other issues. Yeah, absolutely. And I know you mentioned to me that you had a very public divorce, right? And from there, shame, guilt, some of those feelings came up and isolation, which I think are so relatable. And I hear that from quite a few clients that are undergoing or in the process of positive divorce of rebuilding themselves. So share with us as much as you're comfortable, of course, some of that and some of the emotions that came out of it that you also see with your clients. So yeah, I say I, I consider it a public divorce because I live in a smaller community and my former husband is an extreme, he's a popular musician and extreme. I used to kind of joke and we still do that. He's like the mayor, the mayor of, t- of the town. <laughs> so when something happens like this and we had, um, you know, our children were, were very young, but we were still involved in, you know, family and social events with our children. So um, I think all divorces feel kind of, they, they had this public feel to them, but yeah. there was a part of it that felt like I was, you know, and we were on center stage and part of that did cause me to really isolate. And, and it was in a couple of different ways. Number one, um, with my experience and my background and kind of knowing the cast of characters in my life, there was a part of me that wanted to intellectually sort this out for myself. Mm -hmm. I did not want, because I wasn't sure at the time. It's like, okay, so what are we going to do? And is the marriage going to, to work as we've kind of started to, you know, go through our marital troubles, um, you know, and here, this is a time where I probably could have used a ton of compassionate, emotional support. Right. But there was this part of me that felt like, man, who do I trust my story with? And also if I decide to go down, you know, a certain road of keeping my marriage together, will I be supported? And how is this information going to, you know, I didn't want to be influenced in any negative way. I wanted this decision to be mine, right? Like I'm going to do this. And there's a part of me that's very bootstrappy. I grew up in new England and this old, you know, Yankee, you can do it yourself. And so I've been kind of raised with that mill town mentality. And so I really did go into deep isolation. And in addition to that, there were layers of shame and embarrassment. Nobody in my family had ever gone through Mm. divorce before. And I think from the outside looking in, uh, my former husband and I, and we did also in many ways have a very beautiful life and marriage. Um, 
but as I, you know, kind of joke, um, it, it, some of that's Photoshop, right? It looks a certain way to other people. And yeah. so isolation for me was a really, was a form of protection that I was very accustomed to doing also as a young child, that there were ways that I, I knew how to keep myself safe and I could pull away. Um, the difficult part of that is this is a time when <laughs> we really do need support. And it's, it's exactly, I, I just recognize now in hindsight that the arc of my healing um, took much longer um, because I, I spent a good part in probably what I would consider now in hindsight, a little bit too long of a time in isolation. Mm. And as I started to find safe places to work things out, um, you know, it just, really accelerated my healing and my understanding and how I could look at things in a more compassionate and healing and forgiving way. Yeah. And I think this last, thank you so much for sharing, you know, so transparently. And I think it's so relatable. So many things you said, Stacey, and that last piece, like the whole support piece, right? I think it's not just the, you know, the safety component is such a big, important one in this conversation, right? So it is really important to be supported by a community of like-minded individuals, you know, in similar shoes, led by somebody like you that done the work, gone through the steps. But also that will be one of the best ways to prevent isolation. But until women find that safe community, right? It is such a difficult thing. And that's why, again, I would say the work could you is so important because it's just giving women that safe space that's outside of their circle of friends and family that may not even be equipped necessarily to give the support they need, right? And I think that is just something to, that I really would love to encourage women because I think I know from personal history, even though I've really worked on improving this, we don't always ask for help first. We try to figure things out, right? Like you said, I'm also yes, like, I'm doing it yourself. Yes. Go get her. Let's do this. Um, and sometimes we really prolong the journey in terms of, and even though I, I believe in the perfection of every step, right? Maybe it was part of what was needed. But in some cases, reaching out to support early on can really prevent some of that emotional, very painful time for not knowing even who to go to, right? Absolutely. So that is so key. And we forget too that, um, you know, all of our people in our circle are going to be impacted by this. And I think that that's, again, what pushes us into isolation is we don't always have objective support people. We may, we may have wonderful support people in our lives, but are they an objective space? And quite often they are because they have um, an investment. They have a relationship. Their yeah. heart is involved in the process. <laughs> and so even though these are often our, you know, familiar, safe places, you know, my mom, who's no longer with me, but back, back then, you know, I, it was interesting in hindsight when she said, why didn't you tell me, you know, so many of my friends and people said, why, you know, why were you sitting on this? And part of it was because it's, you know, I know that this is going to have a really large impact on all of these other relationships. But right yeah. now, I'm at ground zero, I need to stabilize, I need to get my, I need to get my own act together, right. So mm -hmm. um, having, I think, an objective, safe container to kind of do this work is so yeah. important for women, because then they are not dealing with that, those extra layers of emotional pressure or trying to explain themselves. And it just takes that out yeah. of the equation. And I think that's so helpful. Oh, a hundred percent. And as a nice segue of something you just said in terms of the ripple effect 
that, you know, divorce has on not even just the next generation, but even like you said, in, you know, our parents and, you know, even potentially close friends, right? If, you know, the friends were mutual friends and all those things, uh, but very focused, focusing very specifically on the next generation. So say for couples that have children, you know, I would love for you to talk to us about this concept of generational healing to really help women see a different perspective on how important it is when we work on ourselves in relation to how it impacts the next generations. Oh yeah. It's, I can't say enough about this. This is the true joy of the work that I do. If I do, you know, if I am working with um, women or with, with, with families and um, you know, I think we work to uh, you know, we're thinking from a perspective, all right, I, I need to get, I need to get my act together. I'm going to, I'm going to heal myself. And sometimes in that process, knowing what I need to heal and in wrestling with what maybe my former spouse needs to heal. We're kind of caught up in adult land. We're up here <laughs> yes. dealing with, you know, I'm dealing with my adult issues and those adult relationship issues. And those tend to be very predominant and, and naturally so. But the really great thing about this is if there are children involved, I think it helps us to navigate this and better prioritize things when we say, mm-hmm. okay, let's both step back um, and look at this from the perspective of our child or our children and what is best. So it's not a wrestling of, you know, we said this time, or I'm going to drop you off on Saturday or these, you know, keeping um, a very rigid schedule. Um, There's lots of little things that we can get into these tug of wars over. Right. But getting back, (laughs) it's the best, it's the, like the quickest tool is to say, okay, what is best for the child's perspective? And when we start acting in that way, when we start approaching things in this way, we accelerate our kids' healing. We accelerate their understanding. And the less friction there is, we want to allow our kids to love both parents fully. And so, these types of things by just these little tweaks and activities and looking at things from a child's perspective, for example, um, allows kids to see adults being better problem solvers. They are, you know, hopefully showing up with more compassion. Maybe they're learning about forgiveness. They're probably learning about flexibility and compromise. Mm -hmm. And so this example, um, And I had a lot of guilt around it at first, but I will say this now, um, my kids are extraordinary young adults. And I think some of this is, I always joke that it's either because of their dad and I, or in spite of us, we're not, you know, depending (laughs) on, depending on the day. Um, But I think that by approaching things in the way of like, what is truly best for them and their emotional development and how can we give them the tools or bring them in and include them that they are much better off than their dad and I were. They have better, much better tools. And, you know, I had wonderful conversations with both my mom and my dad. And I still even have conversations with my former in-laws about this, that, you know, it's that they've had the chance to see us approach things and handle things in a different way with compassion, with understanding, applying forgiveness. So I just Mm -hmm. can't help but think that we're keeping this, um, this ball rolling in the right 
direction, you know, that we're just giving our kids more tools. And again, it will be they carry the torch for us, they're going to carry the torch. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that perspective so much, Stacey. And it's such an empowered way to look at something that's normally very much labeled as very painful, right, which is a divorce process. And you said so many wonderful things. And one of the things like you're basically modeling is how other women can be role models, not from a place of pressure, but from a place of really empowerment that you can, you know, give so many skills and like I said, flexibility and compassion to the next generation and beyond by literally embracing it and embodying it yourself. But also that Mm -hmm. concept of, you know, getting the kids to love both parents, right? Because that's what the healing really takes place for everyone. And I think that is when a lot of the benefits, because if a marriage is at the point of ending, because it ran its course for whatever the reasons, it wouldn't be beneficial to anyone to stay in that situation, right? So the dissolution of it, if it comes with that perspective, okay, so what are the benefits here? Why is this the best solution for everyone? I think it just calms down a lot of those emotions that we are almost like taught to feel when something like that happens, right? Like you're just really showing a new, almost playbook that women can work through and come on the other side and impact, you know, their kids and family members in such a beautiful way. I love that. Hey there. Have you heard of my new book, Release, A Woman's Guide to Releasing Weight in Midlife Through Becoming a Body's Best Friend? If not, go to naturallyjoyous.ca slash book or click the link in the show notes below to learn more and to see if this is the right book for you. I wrote this book for women to read before your next diet. And this is not a book about weight loss, another diet trend, or a magical solution you have not tried yet. This is instead a rebellion against hating our bodies and trying to change who we are. Together, we will release all that no longer serves you so you can get the body you want and make midlife the best and healthiest years of your life. I cannot wait for you to get the book. So go to naturallyjoyous.ca slash book to learn more. Now back to the episode. Thank you. Well, I, and, and, you know, it's so wonderful to be out the other side. My, you know, when I think of my own personal experience, my children were, you know, toddler, preschooler age. Mm -hmm. And so to see the arc of their journey and to even include them in conversations, which I would consider to be, you know, because as adults, we make mistakes. And what I often say to my kids, right, is you, you make a mistake, you come to me, we work it out. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, even though we have the role of parents, there are things that we can include. You know, I always joke with them, I'm just further down the road than you guys. <laughs> you, know, I have, you know, I have a weed whacker, follow along if you, you know, <laughs> if you if you may, but you know, this title of parents, I think, um, for me, I've tried to kind of just almost ditch that label, it comes with certain responsibilities. But as I've said to my kids, I'm just further down the road. And so if I make a mistake, um, you know, let's, let's work it out. If you've made a mistake, you know, if your Mm -hmm. dad and I have made a mistake, like, let's kind of talk about this. And I think it has given my kids permission to to show up as themselves and be willing to take more risks and know like you might make a mistake, you might make a wrong choice. However, here's how to, you know, here's how to 
course correct. It's always okay to pivot, that these kinds of things are concepts that are really familiar to them. And I'll be honest, I don't know how strong those lessons would have been without my divorce. You know, exactly. I don't, I, I don't know. And so, and I am a firm believer that every, you know, the relationships and our, we've seen it in our friendships, right? We've seen it mm-hmm. in other parts, not just our romantic relationships have lifespans and that's okay. Yeah. That really is okay. Um, and some of them will, we have many lifespans within our relationship, which is <laughs> wonderful. So sometimes mm-hmm. women will come to me and they're just, they're not sure if they want to be divorced. So this is kind of a journey that I have gone on with, you know, some women as well too. So is it, are we going to create, you know, relationship 2.0, you know, you're going to lean into that, or are we going to kind of come to a place where we're, we're going to use an off ramp and we're going to, and, mm-hmm. and how, and how, what, what is it really time for? Yeah. I love that perspective. And I think it gives, anytime we give ourselves a true power of choosing and choosing what is most aligned with us, not from a place of fear or duty. Oh, I have to for someone else. Right. I think we just totally shift things on its head. And I think that's really a wonderful you know, igniter really of empowering Mm. women, right? I think what you said is actually very valuable. And I don't know if a lot of women see they have a choice, right? When they are in those situations. So I think that was a very helpful point (laughs) that you added there. And I have one more question for you, Stacey, in terms of, so let's just say getting a little bit more practical and somebody is still feeling non-stabilized. I think that's the word I use. I thought was great. Mm. Um, what would be maybe one or one or two things for, for somebody that even if they are at this for a while, but they're still not in that solid place of stability before they can either, you know, find the right community for them or take the next step. What would be some strategies that women can uh, start with to find that grounding force? So I like to call them with my clients, I call them self-care snacks, Uh, because I also think, and, and this is selfishly my own perspective, because there were a lot of things that I felt like I should do, right? Like I should be meditating for 20 minutes a day, and Mm -hmm. I should be out in nature. And the fact is, when we are in the middle of trauma and chaos, um, there's nothing worse than is I don't even know who coined the frame, but the phrase, but that shooting all over ourselves, oh, right? Like yeah. it's just so, so what I try and encourage my clients to do is like, think of, think of self-care right now is just a snack. <laughs> it's just like, oh, good. You know, who, who doesn't love a good snack? You know, let's, let's set up a, a charcuterie board. And what are we going to, what are we going to have? But I really think it's, um, the first thing to do is to just recognize what can I do often to just soothe my central nervous system. Yeah. So, you know, for me, it's in the chest. I feel it. I feel it immediately. And so, um, you know, I've developed a bunch of, you know, tools that I can just pick from because some days I don't want to meditate. I just, you exactly. know, it's just, it feels so overwhelming. So it might just be that I'm going to go, I'm literally going to walk out, flip my shoes off and put my feet in the grass for 10 minutes. And that is enough. And that's, and that's good. And that's actually not even just enough. That's good. Like having Mm -hmm. these little snacks. So I think finding ways to soothe the central nervous system is the quickest way to find stability in a moment. And even more so, I think what we get prone to doing is, all right, things are feeling chaotic. It's time to do this. So we will do that and we'll bring our level of stress down, which is great. But I also love to encourage clients, like 
try and do that as a preventative tool Mm -hmm. so that we're not just constantly just below that reactive level, but that we get ourselves maybe one day a week or two days a week to a place that's even lower than (laughs) a little bit lower than that. So again, to your point, being just a little bit more grounded more frequently. So I, I don't like to be prescriptive. I like to give, but I do like to give lots of options, whether it's, you know, driving, listen to your favorite music, you know, your favorite mm-hmm. band, you've got a rock anthem, put it on, take a drive. Maybe it's you put on a sad song and you need to cry. Um, mm-hmm. So I think um, I'm a huge fan of yoga, but I will do a yoga snack. And as part of my group coaching program, which I'm getting ready to launch, I have a wonderful friend who made me a handful of yoga snacks. So so that kind of accompany what's going on. So just to give people to give clients a chance to try different things out and also know you, you can do something different all the time. Maybe you do something for three months and it works. Maybe you like that consistency. So, you know, you're going to get up and journal every day and you're a person that likes that pattern. But, but if you don't, it's giving yourself permission to say, what can I do? very quick hit to just soothe myself and, and take good care of myself. So I can be a better parent, a better colleague and do the things that I know I, I'm, you know, I'm going to have to show up to do regardless. Mm-hmm. So good. I love the concept of the self-care snack. I think it's brilliant. <laughs> so, so good. And even as you're sort of describing, like, you know, I find like you're really speaking my vocabulary and a big part of what I do is healing that relationship with the body, right? Self and body. And you're of course talking about relationship in more the familial sense, the romantic sense, right? But there's so many parallels and the whole shoulds and coulds, like it's a very big part of what I do as well in the sense that I call them the duty words. Anytime that we're doing that, we're fulfilling somebody else's values and basically deprioritizing our own, right? And that is the quickest path to being away from authentic you know, authenticity and being integral to your emotions and what you value. Right. Um, So I think those are wonderful, even like little, let's use that word again, tiny red flags. And when you see yourself using, not, not you, but like our listeners hearing themselves saying, I should do this, I should do that. That is a wonderful time to rethink what's going on and maybe pick a different snack. Right. Because I agree if we're trying to meditate and for some reason that day, we don't want to, how good a practice would that be anyways, right? right so right. I'd rather do what I want to do <laughs> that day, which could change and, and give that flexibility. I think it's such a more relaxed approach to self-care and self-healing rather than this rigid, put on your calendar, have to come in. Like there's such a more masculine way to do this. And I think yeah. let's invite the feminine way, right? To, Absol- to press Absol- that way. Yes, I love it put that way because it really, I think that that's exactly what it is. And it's just giving ourselves permission and, and to just lean into kind of that feminine space. Right. And to just kind of honor and, and to simply say, I'm just, I'm just not up for it today. And honoring that is, is in itself huge for many of my clients, that, that, that rigidity starts to kind of fade away when it's like, you know, it's okay. It's, it's okay. If you didn't bake your kids, <laughs> their birthday cake, mm-hmm. so you can go to the store and buy the birthday cake and you can take 20 minutes to watch Netflix. It's okay. Because again, at the birthday party, you're going to show up and you're going to have so much fun instead of being frazzled that you forgot to put the sugar in like I did <laughs> at my kid's birthday party when I was trying to make the perfect um, 
pumpkin cheesecake for his, for, he's an October baby. He's a Halloween yeah. baby. He's a boo baby. And I invited everybody over, including my husband's, my former husband's new girlfriend. I stressed. I just put myself through this horrible thing. I made the cake and then I forgot, you know, it's like, wow, lesson learned. Take your own medicine, <laughs> Stacy. Take your own medicine. So <laughs> there are times, you know, there are times, and I think that's also why I love doing what I do is because I get the opportunity to to do just that, right? To remember mm-hmm. uh, because we're not, these things are still some of the things we carry into divorce, for example, are things that I've been carrying you know, or that we carry as women for a long time, right? (laughs) There's there's a lot of stuff that that this stuff will kick up for us, but we need to be, show ourselves a grace in the unlearning and learning new skills. Yes, 100%. And the moment that you frame it, that is what we're doing. I think it is so much easier to forgive our choices, to trust again, right? From this kinder, more compassionate place, as opposed to I done something wrong. And, you know, I think there's a very different bag of emotions that we can tap into when we come in with that perspective of what you just said and really looking at it, it happened, you know, how I interpret it, the meaning I give to it is really what Mm. will determine how painful or how flowy and empowered the the next steps will be, right? Because no doubt it is a difficult thing, but I think there is a choice in the, in the road (laughs) that we will take from that point on. Right. Uh, Yeah. And my final question for you. So for somebody that is in a place where they are a bit more grounded, like you said, like soothing your nervous system. I actually just gave a talk last night about that specific topic. And uh, so I'll just mention one little thing about it. And one of the things that came to me that I mentioned is the soothing concept specifically of your nervous system is a beautiful way to make room for the healing to take place, right? Mm. It is, I find it's a strategy sometimes people don't talk a lot about because it's either people are very solution focused. This is a solution, but I think there's this beautiful rich in between and finding those snacks, like you said, to suit is so beautiful, right? So let's just say somebody's a little bit more advanced in their journey. They're more grounded in it and they're ready to find the safe community for the next steps. Tell us about the work you do in a bit more detail and how they can find you online as a safe place for their journey. Excellent. Well, thanks for this opportunity. This Mm -hmm. is always great to just kind of share what I'm doing officially. So in regards to the work that I do with women, I currently offer um, one-on-one private sessions Mm -hmm. and I offer a six um, session group um, program package together, which is a little bit more affordable. And then the third thing that I'm super excited to have this opportunity to talk about is I am getting ready to launch what I call my divorce distillery six week coaching program. So getting back to the clients that we just talked about earlier, if somebody is needing, if they're new to the process, if they're in a lot of trauma and emotional chaos, um, I would recommend the one-on-one sessions to kind of help with that stability Mm -hmm. point. Yeah. The group program is going to be a larger community. I'm kicking it off in October and I'm going to offer it to, um, 11 women to start my favorite number. 
And this is going to be more of a larger healing through community. So six week program where folks will get some um, lots of self-care snacks, they'll (laughs) get some um, online coaching with me, some Voxer coaching as well. So they'll have some um, side access that's a little bit more private. So those are the the three ways people can can tend to work with me. Sometimes they'll come Mm -hmm. to me for the one-on-one to just work on one particular issue. Um, but that's, those are the three options and the best way to contact me. I love hanging out on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so that is uh, Stacy McCoy, S-T-A-C-I-E underscore divorce distillery. And um, I, again, I just, I'm a huge, I'm a huge fan of, of IG, but <laughs> I would say the best way for people to get in touch with me would be to go to my website which mm-hmm. is com, And I've links to everything there. So all my social media, my Facebook, my LinkedIn, um, that's probably the quickest way to do it, to get signed up if you want to be part of my email list. So head over to my website. It's got everything you need and all of the links. That's probably the best way to do it. Wonderful. And I'll also make sure to put those links below in their show notes so that people can quickly uh, click and go visit you online. I thoroughly enjoy our conversation today. Like you have such a beautiful energy. Like you mentioned early on about trust and you have an immediate, I'm very sensitive to energies of people and you have an immediate sense of safety and trust in you, which I think is so beautiful. And I know this is going to be such an important community that you're launching and building and you'll benefit so many women. And like we said, so many generations to come. So thank you so much for the work you do, Stacey, and for your time today it was such a pleasure. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's such a pre- pleasure to be on the podcast. I love it. And I love the work you're doing. It's nice to be in the trenches with you. Yes. Likewise. <laughs> thank you. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to Confidence From Within. If you enjoyed this episode, take a screenshot and tag me on Instagram at naturally.joyous and I will be sure to tag you back. I would also love for you to leave us a review on iTunes so you can help us support our show. Stay healthy and happy and until next time.